Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 233. It's a a Gary Vaynerchuk quote, and it goes, legacy is greater than currency. And to me, you know, obviously currency is important. We go to work and do our job to make a living, but building those relationships long term is so, so, so important. It really sets apart you from everyone else just looking to get a paycheck. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Charles Sandville. Charles, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am strapped in and ready to roll. Awesome. Charles Sandville is a master certified VW technician who spends his days turning wrenches on modern Volkswagens. He's created the Humble Mechanic website. It's geared towards helping to build relationships between technicians and their customers. In his videos, Charles takes viewers behind the scenes at dealership service departments and takes an in-depth look at how common parts fail, as well as current happenings and trends in the Volkswagen world. Show topics range from understanding vehicle warranties to buying tools, advice on the right tools to use for both new and seasoned technicians, and tips for customers to help them have a great service experience. I really love that part of it. So Charles, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course your passion for automobiles? Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, I, uh, growing up, I wasn't one of those kids that obsessed about cars. I was, uh, the kid that was a tinkerer of everything, you know, taking, uh, taking all the things that I could find apart and, uh, not having a ton of success getting them back together. I remember, (laughs) uh, I think I was five or six and I was out in the garage. My grandpa was working on his car and, uh, they drove old Volvo station wagons, which is probably where my love of station wagons came from. Yeah. But anyway, I was doing, you know, a you know, quote unquote tune up on my bicycle. And I remember getting it all back together. I was all excited. And about 300 feet later, the front tire fell off. Uh-oh. So my, uh, first failure at repair, um, wouldn't absolutely wouldn't be my last, but, uh, luckily I've learned a lot since then. So I'm still the one that takes everything apart and, uh, you know, kind of tries to figure out how it works and why someone designed it that way. And, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds like it. And I love the fact that you're combining 
technical knowledge with the interaction between the consumer as well. I think that's really important. We talked about this in our pre-show chat here that uh, nobody likes to get their car fixed. It seems to be that uh, necessary evil, if you will. And I think what you're doing is great in that respect as well. Well, thank you very much for that. You know, one thing when I started in the, the car world as a dealer tech, I knew that I needed to kind of set myself apart from everyone else in some way. And, and since I had never fixed a car professionally in my life when I started, yeah. I knew customer service was kind of my ticket in. And uh, I've always worked really hard to have a really good relationship with my customers and make sure that they knew what was going on with their car. Whether they understood anything about their car or not didn't really matter. I wanted to make sure that they knew that they were in good hands and, uh, and bringing their car into me. And it's been fun, and I've met a ton of cool people, and I got a bunch of friends that I would have never had if, uh, if I wouldn't have taken that time to uh, have that interaction with people. Oh, absolutely. I always have appreciated it when I get to speak to the mechanic that's actually working on my car instead of just the service rider at the desk, if you will, because uh, you just you just feel a little bit better about who is that guy back there that's working on my vehicle. And I'll tell you a little funny story before we proceed here. I'm a car care neat freak, and you would love working on my cars because I always detail the engines before I take the car in to have it serviced because I figure when that technician opens that lid and goes, oh, it's one of these guys, that he's going to take extra special care of my vehicle. Is that true or am I just fantasizing? You are a little bit nuts on that, I think, because now I'm worried if I get a little grease spot underneath your hood, you're going to be mad at me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because when, when I work on a car that's in really good condition, I do take better care of it. And, you know, because I know that person cares more about their car than someone that brings it in with uh, McDonald's wrappers up to the passenger seat bottom <laughs> yeah. or, uh, you know, it hasn't been washed in 15 years and, and, and whatnot. So. Yeah. You taking pride in your car does make good technicians work a little bit harder for you. Yeah, I always thought that they did. And the other thing is it's easier to find things that are going on. You can find and spot leaks easier because, uh, you know, everything's cleaned like it was brand new. So, well, good. I'll just keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, just keep the tire shine off the tires. That's the only one that kind of kind of tweaks me a little bit. But no other worries. Than that, keep on cleaning it. <laughs> yeah, I've never been a fan of that really uh, a slick, shiny look on tires. I like that kind of satin finish. So I promise I won't do that to you. Same with all the rubber hoses under the under the hood. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Charles, take the wheel. This one actually ties in really well with what we were just talking about. And that's a it's a Gary Vaynerchuk quote. And it goes, legacy is greater than currency. And to me, you know, obviously currency is important. We go to work and do our job to make a living. But building those relationships long term is so, so, so important. It really sets apart you from everyone else just looking to get a paycheck, basically. Absolutely. I love Gary. I love his work. Can you tell me an example, perhaps, of how you've incorporated that quote into your business and your passion for cars? Well, it happens, you know, as simply as a customer comes in for service on their car and let's say their wiper blades are torn. I'm going to bring them out there. I'm going to show them their wiper blades are torn. And honestly, yeah, I want them to buy wiper blades for me and leave the dealership safe and can see out their window. But if they don't, at least I know that I did the right thing by them and brought them back and showed them what was wrong with their car. So they know that I have their best interest in mind, not just I want to sell them a part or a product. Well, and of course, and when it rains again and they turn those wipers on and that torn wiper ends up being a metal blade against the windshield and scratches it, 
they may go, oh, gosh, I should have had Charles replace those. I, that's right. Dang it, he was right. He was right. <laughs> he told me about that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I think that's a great example. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about those fun times working with your grandpa in the garage, but is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? I think it was like the first time I ever got to drive by myself. And so, you know, it didn't really have anything to do with fixing cars, but there was something about being in a car with, and I had a Jeep at the time, it was my first car, something about being in the car with the top off and the radio jamming, just cruising down the highway. It didn't matter if I was going anywhere or not, just sort of that freedom to finally be able to go somewhere on my own Mm -hmm. um, really, really, really sparked it. And then having that car and tinkering with stuff and taking parts off because the paint chipped off and repainting them sort of sort of kick-started my, uh, my love affair with cars, I think. Oh, it's fantastic. And Jeeps are pretty easy to, to work on. Except when you're trying to replace the front speakers in the dash on the older Jeeps. I think you had to disassemble the entire dashboard to get back behind the – to get the speakers in. Luckily, I have kind of small hands, so I was able just to jam my hand back there and, yeah. and put speakers in. But Yeah, you know, I've heard this from a lot of my guests, that moment that they had that freedom – Getting out on the road and driving themselves somewhere really is when all this passion starts to kick in. So uh, that's great. I love that. Charles, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and, as I say, get our hands a little dirty. Certainly something you're not afraid of doing. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced in your career. But the most important part of this isn't so much of that challenge and failure, but what did you learn from it? And how did you overcome that situation? You know, I, I have this story and I can see this event unfolding so clear like it was yesterday, but it was four or five years ago. I had a Rutan that I, I don't even remember what the concern was because I was the third technician involved. So we had one technician remove the transmission. We had one technician disassemble the transmission. Mm-hmm. And then wouldn't you know, both of those guys went out on medical leave. So I drew the uh, the lucky straw and got to put it back together. So I spend you know four or five days trying to figure out where all these parts go and uh, getting it back together. I finally got it all back together. Started it up. Car started great. I'm you know I'm jazzed up because I just put this transmission back together that I had no idea how the heck it came apart. Put it in reverse. Wheels turned. All right, I'm doing good. Put it in drive in my stall just to make sure that I got some movement. Nothing. Oh, <laughs> no forward gears. I can tell you that transmission came out of that car in about an hour and a half. (laughs) And, uh, you know, after about two days of kind of going through and rechecking all my work, it turns out the first part that I would have installed or the last part the other guy would have installed didn't get installed. So it it was the very, you know, first thing. And uh, I think it was an inner seal or something. Yeah. So I installed the seal, you know, got the car all back together and it drove. But it was such a defeat. When I put that car in drive and it didn't go, and it was definitely the most defeated I've ever felt in in my career. But it was also humbling at the same time because you know when you're when you're good at something, you tend to get a little bit of an ego about it and think you know yeah I'm really good I can do a good job I can fix anything or whatever. And uh, sometimes karma's there to smack you around and, and get you back on the right track. Right. Well, the best thing about those experiences is you never do that one again. No, I will, I will never 
ever forget that one. Yeah, I had a Volkswagen Karma Gia as a kid, and I remember the first time I taught myself how to do brakes. And I had a date that night with this young woman who I was really fond of, and it was our first date, and I was doing my brakes, and I thought I had everything working great. I went inside, showered, got cleaned up, and left for that date, and went down the end of my street and put my foot to the floor, and it went to the floor when I touched the brakes, and the car went right through the intersection. Thank goodness nobody was coming, and turns out I'd forgotten to tighten up those little bleeder valves, and I uh, was just pumping all the brake fluid right out of the car. So, Yikes. Yeah, Yikes. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've never done that since either. So no, That's the one you check 15 times, and, uh, yeah. and then one more just to be safe. Just to be safe, absolutely. Yeah, it ended up, luckily, my mom let me borrow her car, and I did make it to the date on time, but uh, Excellent. I, I remember the gal did say, something smells funny because I had brake fluid on my hands, so it was hard <laughs> to clean off. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story when you had one of those aha moments in your career. It's one of those times, as I like to say, that the headlights came on and illuminated your way for a new idea or a direction. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. I think my biggest aha moment in the shop would have been I'd been turning wrenches for about six or seven months and I felt not great, not like I could fix or do anything, but I felt really comfortable in the day to day. And I started to realize that as I'm fixing cars and, and, you know, doing the thing that I do all day long, that some of the really experienced guys were asking me questions. I'm like, why are you guys asking me questions? You've been doing this (laughs) for 15 years and I've been here six months And it was because they were scared to work on the new stuff at the time, which actually happened to be the 2004 Touareg. Um, That is the car that I cut my teeth on repairing. So it was was quite a ride at at the time. And I was the dumb new guy that didn't know any better to say, I don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that was really when I realized that, you know, you're you're doing all right here. If some if guys that have been doing this a long time are asking you questions, you are on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular you could share with us? Man, there's been there's been a lot. Um, I was really really proud to get my master's certification. It was it was the goal that I had from day zero of going to tech school and learning how to fix cars and mm-hmm. just to, just to get that achievement. And I would also say going down to Houston with Shell and being included in a group that consisted of Eric the Car Guy and Jason from Engineering Explained and Scotty Kilmer and uh, my friend Chris from ASE and one of the education managers from UTI and just this really amazing group of people. And I'm on the outside looking at these folks like, man, these guys are awesome. I don't deserve to be here. Uh, So it was really cool to be included in that group. And still to this day, when I talk about it, I get really excited. (laughs) Yes, you were in good company there. We've had both Eric and Jason here on Cars Jazz Guests, two fantastic guys that, uh, like you, share their passion for automobiles with people around the world and and help teach them how to work on their cars. My nephew, uh, Michael, in Utah, uh, went to tech school to learn and work on Volkswagens and remember how excited he was and what a great program they put you through. Such intensity and there's just so much to learn these days. His father, my brother-in-law, had an engine rebuilding business for many, many years and all those years, the old school type of engine rebuilding or anything, if anything broke, you just fixed it. Nowadays, there's so many technical aspects to working on vehicles. Yeah, that old, uh, you know, put repair an engine or put a piston in it is kind of long gone for us. We uh, we spend more time doing software updates and diagnosing electrical issues than putting heavy, you know, heavy hard parts on or 
heck, it's cheaper in most cases just to put a box in it, as we say, whether it be a transmission or, or an engine. Yeah, just replace the whole thing. It's, it's really a, it's a whole different dynamic going on nowadays. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory that you had with that car. You know, I've actually loved almost every car I've ever owned. Uh, my first car was a Jeep Wrangler, which, again, fueled my love for convertibles. What was it about that car that uh, that you enjoyed so much? I think, like we talked about a minute ago, it was just having that freedom and something about having a convertible. I have one now that I just stripped the top off altogether on, and I guess technically that's a Roadster now. <laughs> uh, Jeep Roadster. Yeah, well, it's not a Jeep that I have now, but the convertible. So I've always really loved that convertible. And oddly enough, on the other end of the spectrum, I love station wagons. Ah, what is it about station wagons you like so much? They're so practical, and you can put so much stuff in it. And I I just, trunks don't interest me. I just like the fifth door, you know, the quote fifth door. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is back in the day when I was a little kid, I remember our first station wagon was an Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser. And for people that look at the Vista Cruisers from the 70s, they're the ones that had those skylights up at the top, almost like the Volkswagen buses had back in the day. And and station wagons kind of went away, and it's all SUVs now. But if you go to Europe, station wagons are like the car, you know, if you need extra space. So I, I like station wagons as well. I think they're pretty cool, the touring wagons. How about vehicles that you've let go? Is there a vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you could have back in the garage? I think it would be most of them, <laughs> but you know, it's weird. Every, every car I've had is different. I had a 97 Integra that I absolutely loved. I loved my Jeep. I think the only car that I really wouldn't want back was a Ford pickup truck. That I had. <laughs> well, there's a lot of Ford pickup trucks out there and they're, I think they're still the best selling truck on the planet uh, by, by means, but to, that would give you a lot of pain. Yeah, it was it was difficult, and my wife hated it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that adds you know, to that me. always that always adds to my misery when my wife's not happy. Absolutely. Is there a project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, right now it's actually that Roadster that I mentioned a minute ago. Um, it's a 1988 Volkswagen Cabriolet that I did a VR6 engine swap in. Oh, and did the engine swap mostly last year. Drove it around a little bit in the summer, and. Uh, I think in the fall of last year, I developed a few body electrical issues, if you can believe that. And uh, she's been parked for the winter, and I'm like jazzed up to get back in and figure out what the heck's going on with all the rear lighting and (laughs) all the instrument cluster lighting and uh, whatnot. Luckily, the engine part that I did is all perfect and runs fantastic. Oh, those electrical gremlins can be a real pain to chase down. They they get you. Oh, gosh, yeah. I've got stories about those with old cars. Oh, my goodness. We had a guest on Cars Yeah here not too long ago. We were talking about Lucas, and I almost dread even bringing this up. The minute I said the Prince of Darkness, my computer crashed. So <laughs> I always say I'm convinced that Joseph Lucas was haunting me. He didn't like all this bad press he's gotten over the years. And so, Joseph, we're not going to say anything bad about you today, okay? <laughs> we'll just <laughs> say nice things. Now, here's a really introspective question for you, Charles. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? And this isn't so much about the kind of car you wish you were. This is the kind of car you really are. Well, I think my love of station wagons is going to come through again. And I think I would be an old Volvo station wagon, just reliable as you can be you know practical you can do whatever you want and uh it just keeps on doing the thing (laughs) well i love that is there a specific year that sticks out in your mind 
I like them all while they looked like a little kid drawing of a car that oh. he did with a ruler. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where they're all square. Yep. Yeah, bulletproof vehicles, that's for sure. So Charles, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little word from our sponsor. Carpe Viem. Seize the road. It's the motto at CarpeGear.com, where you'll find the Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an international award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kid's book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the Little Red Racing Car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand where you can find his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at CarpeGear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E, Gear.com. All right, Charles, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Let's do it. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't be scared. Just dive right in. You'll figure your way out. (laughs) Yes. Great words coming from a guy that uh, you can go to his website and he can show you how. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe has been a contributor to your success? Work smart, and whenever you're taking something apart, take it apart like someone else is going to have to figure out how it goes back together. Oh, that is such great advice. I can't tell you how many times I've taken things off of cars, and I thought I was going to be putting them right back on, and something happened, and a week later, you stand there looking at it going, uh... (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, take a lot of pictures, write a lot of notes. I'll tell you, the cell phone camera... I. I can't imagine how guys did it 50 years ago when, uh, you know, I guess you had to hand draw everything. But these cell phone cameras have been a lifesaver for me. Oh, yeah. You know, I had a friend that helped me put something back on a car once. And he said, well, let's do uh, FaceTime and I'm going to show you on my car. So he took the part off, set his camera up and put it right back on. And Oh, okay, There we go. Pretty cool. So, yeah, I love technology. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with the Car Show listeners that you think they would enjoy? Uh, yeah, come by HumbleMechanic.com. <laughs> but there are, a, there are a ton, a ton, a ton of really great websites out there. Um, you know, YouTube has been incredibly helpful for me outside of the automotive world. And basically, anything you want to learn about, just mash it in and you'll, fi- you'll be able to find out and, and learn it. Yeah, absolutely. And do go by and visit the Humble Mechanic. And I've had several other guests on the show here as well who do some similar type things that uh, Charles does. And you can learn so much. It's really, really cool. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you think that the Cars Yow listeners would really enjoy? Uh, Right now, I am in the middle of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, So that's been a really interesting read. I I don't have a ton of time these days for for reading, but uh, I'm really into that one right now. Yeah, my son gave me that book by... um, Robert Persig. I really, really did enjoy it. And what helped was he annotated much of the book for me because that's how he goes through books. So there's all these little notes in there that kind of help me with some of the stuff. Uh, it's a great book. I would encourage uh, all the Cars Yeah listeners to uh, read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. You can find links to all these resources at carsyeah.com slash Charles Sanville. And Charles' last name is 
S-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. Charles, do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? That eats up, I would say, in the 20-hour-a-day <laughs> range, but I love working out in the garden, and that's actually what I'm going to go do as soon as we're done. All right, cool, very cool. Well, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy for some of my guests. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost, because today I'm going to write the check, what would that one vehicle be, and more importantly, why? This is such a tough question for me because I have like supercar ADD where <laughs> at any minute, like the car that I'm looking at is the car that I obsess over, whether it's an air-cooled Porsche or, you know, an old Carmen Ghia like you mentioned or yeah. a bus or whatever. But right now at this exact minute, I think it has got to be an RS6 wagon, one of the, uh, the newest generation Audi RS6 wagons. There's something cool about a big horsepower station wagon that I absolutely love. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because that's a pretty unique car, at least a pretty unique answer for this. Mostly I hear old vintage cars from people. RS6 wagon, tell me what it is that rings your bell with that vehicle. Well, it's so much like my Passat if my Passat were on super steroids. (laughs) Um, And I love my Passat. Again, it's, you know, like just the most pedestrian car uh, you could think of. It's a gray station wagon, but... um, I love it, and, and Audi makes such cool station wagons and cars in general. And I live in the Volkswagen Audi world, so, you know, of course, that's the direction I got to go. Sure, easy to work on. Well, I've loved the Audi wagons for so long, the Quattro aspect of them, and these are cars, oh, my goodness, uh, they're just rocket ships. I mean, they're so quick when you want them to be, but if you need to just go to the grocery store and put the kid in the back seat, it does that as well. So it's a real rounded car. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm sad I didn't get to drive the one Golf R, the 15 Golf R that we just got in. It was already sold, and I was off that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll get to drive one one of these days. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fantastic choice. Well, Charles, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that RS6 wagon? Absolutely. Just, you know, always be true to yourself. Don't let uh, other people's behavior impact yours. Absolutely. Or as my wife always says, don't stoop down to their level. (laughs) You got a smart wife, Mark. (laughs) Yeah, I did. And my mom always told me, marry someone smarter than you. And I did. And most of the time that works out pretty well. There's some other (laughs) times where I get myself in trouble, but uh, 30 years of marriage, I think it's worked pretty well. Excellent. (laughs) What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and, of course, the Humble Mechanic? Uh, Best way is to stop over at HumbleMechanic.com or go to Facebook slash HumbleMechanic.com, and you can find links to all the uh, cool social media stuff and YouTube channel there. I'd encourage our guests to check out what Charles is doing. It's pretty darn cool. If you need some help with how to work on cars, uh, just all around, it's a really fun job, a fun website that he's done there. So take a visit there. Listeners, you can find links to everything that Charles has been so kind to share with me today at carsyad.com. Just put Charles in the search box. His show notes page will pop right up with links to his site. Thank you, Charles, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!